If you're affected by anything you hear on this podcast, get in touch via manblues at gmx.com or at manbluesuk on Twitter. We're not qualified to help, but we can listen. Please don't suffer in silence. Hi, I'm Leon Deggs, and you're listening to Man Blues. On this week's podcast, I'm joined by a special guest. So this week's special guest is the return of a previous special guest. We are joined again by my longtime friend, Red. Red decided to get in touch with me again because he wanted to get a few things off his chest about tiredness and how it affects his mental health. So I hope you enjoy this. Welcome back, Red. Speaking of going for a walk in the morning, I do that because uh, I like to kind of keep myself going in with some of the little bits of fitness and so on. I like to sort of pretend to myself that uh, I'm um, keeping fit in some way, but I'm not sure it is. But there you go. Anyway, um, you wanted to talk specifically about your tiredness and how it affects your overall mental health. And also, might might I say, it would be very, very polite of you to focus on me rather than the myriad Twitch streamers you've got going on in the background that I can clearly see. I mean, it's 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 badness. <laughs> I can't I can't be here now. <laughs> There's the distraction of technology playing its part. Oh, is that what your issue is with it? I think uh, we all have that problem, do we not? Uh, what you mean, the old blue screen stuff? Yeah, blue light technology. Blue, blue light. Thank you. Well. Sorry, yeah. Yes, blue light. Blue screen is um, the other thing that we see that we don't like on Windows, isn't it? That's right. Yeah. Yeah, blue and light. I think that okay. technology does take over, though, especially when you're trying to get to bed at night. You've said this before, that you grab your device and then you start looking at various different things on the internet. And all that information going into a mind that's trying to rest, never mind the stimulation with the eyes, with the blue light, it's not a good thing. But we're kind of conditionalized that we go to bed, and as we go to bed, we take that one last look at our phone just to make sure we're not missing anything for tomorrow. And I don't think that's healthy. I will only need to take one look at my phone, but no, I I understand your point But uh, with regards to that. And I'm I'm not entirely sure why my reaction now is to be defensive about my behavior with my phone. But I will only take one final look at my phone just to make sure whether or not it needs charging because I'm happily in that condition where I've got a phone that the battery can last me two days, um, which is quite unusual in 2022, but there you go. Um, I say 2022. This episode will be going out in 2023, you lucky listeners. Um, No, okay, so... Um, I get what you mean, because you're suggesting that we're in a position where we need that stimulus because, for whatever reason, we've now conditioned ourselves to need it, but it's also affecting our approach to the way we do things. Is that what you're saying? Is that what you're saying? Absolutely, and I think uh, technology or the need for it is it's like an addiction, is it not? The fact that we are on these social networks late at night because we just want that little bit of stimulation before we go to bed. Is that what you do? You're on social networks? I think, well, I know I am, and I know it's not a healthy thing. Mm. Um, I know my wife is more than I am. And I'm always looking at it and thinking, this is not really healthy for, you know, a, a good um, re- restorative sleep. No. Right? 
No, because it's, I mean, essentially any stimulus. But here's the thing I was thinking about, because um, somebody else had mentioned to me earlier about how they felt that um, their sleep was being impaired by the fact they've got devices in the room. And my response to them was, oh, well, why don't you try reading a book? And I thought, well, yeah, because blue light is then not a thing. But the mad thing about suggesting someone read a book is that they're equally stimulating. Because, you know, you, your brain's being focused on what you're reading. I mean, I, whether it be a physical book or a Kindle book, it's the same difference. It's, you know, I'm, I'm laying in bed trying to turn my brain off whilst at the same time engaging my brain, which is counterintuitive, surely. Yeah, and you've said that before, that you are reading a book and you're getting to the a really exciting part of the book and you're like, well, it really is bedtime, but I must continue with this chapter. Mm. But yeah, I mean, blue light, yeah, it's definitely a thing. Um, and uh, so are you finding it's actually affecting your sleep or are you just thinking about it more in terms of it's an addiction? You can, so if, say, for example, if you were to be um, in a position where you locked all your devices outside of the bedroom, would you then feel that you'd be getting better sleep or would you be anxious about FOMO? That's an interesting strategy. I don't know if that could play well in modern society because it's not just the technology bit that always worries me. Um, Like stress is another factor, not just the blue light, but stress. And I know I'm kind of going off on a tangent here, but we do live in a stressful society, which leads many people to worry um, at bedtime. Either they're stressing about the day they've just had or, or about the next day. Those things as well can just keep your mind moving forward. And you're just like, you'll be looking at a black ceiling thinking, wow, all these thoughts. And maybe the distraction of the social media or anything else that you're trying to you know, entertain your active mind with is going to help. Well, do you think you might be using your social media and your distractions then to uh, distract yourself not from, well, not from going to bed, but to distract yourself from actually whatever it is you're trying to avoid in your life? You know, so for example, you've got something big happening tomorrow and you're just thinking, well, I'm going to go to bed, but I'm going to use the social media because if I just lie in bed now, it's going to whiz round and round and round in my brain, this thing that I've got to do tomorrow. And, you know, is, is that perhaps what the problem is? Potentially, yeah. Um, you know, as well as the fact that we're aging, right? Um, so as, as we get older... Very, people... very nearly said, speak for yourself, but I couldn't possibly, could uh, I? <laughs> people tend to sleep less and lighter as they grow older. Um, our ability uh, to sleep actually diminishes, um, but our need for sleep stays the same, which is quite interesting. So we are actually struggling as we get older. Well, um, I was going to say, it's, it, it's an interesting point you make there about, about older people sleeping differently. What I've noticed, for example, with my mother-in-law is that she will sleep the way that she eats. She has, uh, so she will eat in sort of like five or six little pockets of meals throughout the day, small portions, so little and often, which is what you're supposed to do. So she'll eat little and often, but she's also doing the same with sleep. She's having little pockets of sleep, so she's kind of like topping up her batteries as she goes through the day. So it's kind of like, you're right, she's not getting enough sleep. So what she's doing is she's maybe she's functioning about 50% of her batteries, so to speak, and then she'll drop down to 25, and then she'll have another top-up to get her up to about 60%, and then she'll drop down to 30%, and another top-up till she gets to 60 again, and then by that time it's 9pm at night, and she repeats the entire cycle over and over. It's weird. But then you're talking about yourself getting up in the middle of the night to go to the toilet, washroom for the rest of the world, or restroom for Americans, in the middle of the night, right? 
Um, yeah, but I don't, I mean, happily I'm not there yet because the prostate hasn't swollen that much. Um, and I, as you've, as you've already alluded to, the thing that I do before I go to bed is I tend to, I tend to go to the bathroom and that's where I sit and watch YouTube videos. So I sit and wait until it's all done. Um, and the YouTube videos I watch are between sort of 10 and 15 minutes long. Sometimes I watch a couple of them. Um, and that's usually fine by the time I go to bed. I'm, you know, I might continue watching the rest of the video, but heads on the pillow, leaning already to one side, and uh, you know, getting basically just waiting for the video to end. And sometimes I actually pause it before it finishes. But yeah, it's it's an interesting one, definitely. Um, so, do you find then? I mean, obviously, lacking sleep is bad. And I find that every day, around about two thirty in the afternoon, um, I get a dip. A genuine sort of like a lull where the brain just goes and then it kind of and then suddenly it goes and soften you know stiffens itself back up again and I can carry on and I've just got to power through for about 60 about 60 to 70 minutes and I'm okay do, do you have any, do you have anything like that I mean we all do but I think that's potentially more dietary stuff insulin dropping at that moment you've got a heavy meal in your gut and your body's like I need to digest this I'm gonna take some of the energy off your your being to digest your food. You're probably talking a post-lunch thing. Um, I'm not sure about that because it's consistent, but I don't always eat consistently at the same time. But it is it is always half past two. And sometimes, in like on the weekend, for instance, um, I may miss a meal because of whatever reasons. Like, for example, if I've done a park run um, in the morning, my whole day is shifted because I get up at 7.30, whatever, go out and do the park run. The park run's at 9 o'clock finish the part and when I finish I'm not going to tell you how long it takes let's keep that off off record and um, finish when it finishes get home sometimes I've had a coffee after the run or whatever and get home and it can be 11 a.m. before I'm having my breakfast but the lull is always 2:30. but during the working week I have my lunch around quarter to one in the afternoon and the lull is always 2:30. it's the same time every day did you ever go for a sleep study um, to find out if you got sleep apnea or any kind of sleeping disorders? You, you, you're recommending I have people watch me while I sleep. You've, well, that's not really how it works. But no, but sure. you, you've seen me. You've you've seen me on video calls, um, sort of earlier in the mornings because of when you've lived in different parts of the world and I've lived in different parts of the world, you've seen me what I look like in the mornings and you know that my hair is like a dead scarecrow. And the reason for that is because I toss and turn all night. So probably, yes, there is some sort of issue with my sleep. But um, I'm managing to maintain my batteries at 50% and that's fine. But I did talk about this on... Um, I, I can't remember if I've talked about it on a, on a recent episode of the podcast or not, but I have mentioned it before. I find that I have to have a certain background level of energy in order to stop me getting angry. If I'm if I'm tired, I'm easier to anger. Whereas, the, you know, it, it can be the exact same thing that upsets me. You know, it'll upset me when I'm tired and it'll upset me when I'm not tired. But the speed at which I get angry is much faster when I'm tired. So more in the evening time, you get angry quicker. No, it can be any time. It can be in the morning. But yeah, I find it interesting that the more tired I am, the less... I can't think of the word. Um, I'll, the word will come to me, so you might need to fill for a bit, and then I'll, I'll restart that sentence and clip. <laughs> um, sure. Well, I mean, it's our society. I was talking about modern society. I mean, most people spend their days indoors. Um, just not enough you know, light, especially where I live. Um, we don't go out, because I'm in northern Canada, right? So 
people don't go out um, a lot in the daytime, so they don't get enough natural light and they surround mm. themselves with blue light. Many of the days are spent sitting in front of their screen. I mean, that's what you and I have been doing probably most of the day. And when it gets dark, um, people continue to expose themselves to these screens with the blue light, which tricks the brain and still thinking it's daytime. Yeah. I mean, you look at your room right now, you've got the, the lights on, I've got the fluorescent light on above my head. And these things aren't good. And you look at it in a traditional way. The people would wake up early, be active during the day, hunting, gathering, farming, um, while getting hours and hours of sunlight because you had to be outside. Yeah, but people also their- we're, we're currently in the winter solstice period as well. You know, we've, we've, or the winter equinox, whatever you want to call it. We change the clocks around the world, and caveman Tom he used to wake up when the sun got up, and he used to go to bed when the sun went to bed. So he his days were governed purely by the the daylight. But there is an element to that where the fact that we now allow this electric light into our lives to keep our days lasting a little bit longer, we are finding ourselves in a position where we're just not getting the kind of sleep that we need. Now, can I ask you a rather personal question? Do you have a television in your bedroom? Now, I've heard you talk about this before, and we do. Right, okay. So, what's what's the deal? I mean, because I know that my television in my living room has a... A snooze function where I can say, "Oh, you turn yourself off in forty minutes." Um, do you utilize that much in the bedroom? No, I don't believe we use it a lot in the bedroom for that purpose. But no. do you watch television as you go into bed? So the television is mainly for uh, my wife when she goes to bed. She likes the television. I I seldom watch the TV at night. Mm-hmm. I would I prefer to watch it in the morning to wake myself up. So I, as soon as my alarm goes off, I put it on put some current affairs, news, whatever on, just to stimulate my brain and wake myself up. Yeah. And get ready for get ready for the day. Um, you know, I, I think going back to your, your... And that's where I was going to finish with my comments there was when it gets dark, people just generally go to sleep in the traditional world. And we have a... And I had to Google the word. <laughs> Circadian. Did I say that right? Circ- circadian. Circadian. Circadian rhythms, yeah. Yeah, circadian. Well, that's a dyslexia kicking in there. Uh, That's not dyslexia. That's a fat tongue. (laughs) (laughs) But maybe that's something that we are we're really uh, losing our ability with um, because of all the stimulation we have. Um, So I did do the sleep study, and this is the really you've done one. Oh yeah, I have done one. Yeah, and and to be honest with you, it wasn't like they gave you a bed in a room. And they gave you some white sheets, and some professors just basically watched. You why, why was this? What was the significance like of the sheets being white or not being white? What was that? Why, why was that a detail you needed? Uh, I was I was painting a picture for you. Thank you. <laughs> what they did do though is they gave you equipment that you take home, one uh, thing around your chest, which would measure your heartbeat. Then you had to have some pipes going up your nose that would re- measure your breathing. I I'm assuming you've got those taped in place, right? Uh, the, everything's taped in place and then something on your finger as well um, now so. quick question just to interject mm-hmm. very briefly before you continue with your story that feels like a lot of gear on and about the body that isn't normally on and about the body so I can't imagine it was a particularly restful night's sleep anyway because you at some point in the back of your mind you know that something's on your finger and that something's around your chest and that something's up your nose, you will subconsciously know that while you're sleeping. So what was the night's sleep actually like? 
And where do these pipes go? They go to a device sitting on the side of your bed. So you know if the, you're going to when you when you turn night. over, you pull the pull the device with you, and it clunks on the floor. You strangle yourself. On the floor. Oh, and that's yourself. that's why you're into auto asphyxiation now. Got you. Yeah. Uh-huh. Weird. It was really weird. But you're right. <laughs> even falling asleep on that evening was difficult. And I don't even believe to this day I had a good sleep because of all this apparatus that was strapped to me. You could feel this thing on your chest. You could feel the things in your nose. And you could feel the thing on the end of your finger. So, I don't know. No. Um, And I think what they were looking at, they were looking at measuring for sleep apnea. um, (laughs) Mainly because that's something they can monetize, right? Oh, right. Uh, Okay. They can sell you a sleep apnea machine. Um. But no, they, they did help me with with some strategies. Um, the five steps he gave me was, and these are common five steps, is go to bed when you feel sleepy, no, no matter how late the hour is. Um, use your bed only for sleeping. Okay, I'm, I'm not too good at that. Um, if you don't fall asleep within 10 to 20 minutes, this one I do like, um, get up and go to another room. Don't try and sleep for more than 20 minutes. If you're not falling asleep, just get up. Um, use your alarm clock to get up the same time every morning regardless of how regardless of the day or regardless if you need to get up and that's something I try and do even on the weekend I try and get up at 6 to 7 um, you know and then the fifth one was do not nap in the day right um, which is something I really do a lot of well yeah because napping in the day you, you feel you feel tired like it, like in my case half past 2 3 o'clock in the afternoon and that's when I kind of go do you know what I'm just going to put my head down there have been it, it, it tends to happen more on the weekend I think because during the week I'm able to power through it because I'm usually working and focusing on whatever it is and my brain is engaged and I've got one of those jobs where you need your brain it's not one of those where I'm putting my body on the line I'm putting my brain on the line so I'm doing a lot of thinking there's lots of um, prolonged periods of concentration so I finish work and I'm just, you know sitting there and I'm, just, I'm so tired and my wife's like why you've done nothing yeah, I know. I mean, I've literally just moved my fingers up and down, done some typing, and maybe grabbed a mouse and swiggled that around a bit. But, but it's it's all been done upstairs in the attic, you know, in the attic of the mind sort of thing. And it's um, and that's where that sort of tiredness comes from. But I do find that interesting that you know the the thing where you said like if you're not if you've not fallen asleep within ten or twenty minutes to get up and go to a different room, um, because but back when I was at university, when I um, when I met my wife, in fact, um, she was helping me with my final year exam preparation and she drafted a um, sort of a revision plan for me to or a study plan for me to work along to so I can do the studying that I need to do for my finals and what she recommended was get up bright and early an hour of this do some of that go to a lecture have lunch blah 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 and it was all broken down into nice little slots and one of the slots was 4 p.m have a nap and at the time, it was like, right, okay, here comes 4pm, curtains drawn, door locked, earplugs in, in the bed, toss, turn, toss, turn, toss, turn, set the alarm for 5pm, just just have an hour's nap, tossing, turning, tossing, turning, uh, tossing, turning, tossing, turning, ring, 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 the alarm's gone off. I hadn't fallen asleep in an hour. I'd literally just been rolling and rocking for an hour, just trying to get to sleep, because I think the problem was, I'm filling my brain with all the stimuli, and then I'm trying to turn my brain off to get it relaxed. So I had to ditch the whole sleeping at 4pm thing from the rotor. I don't want to say I've got insomnia because I don't. I don't have that at all. I can fall asleep and I have recently been falling asleep a lot faster. Um, and this tossing and turning for an hour was pretty much an ever-present in my life until my son was born. And then I was falling asleep within five minutes, which was obviously because it was differently tired. Um, but how how was it for you, by the way? I mean, you're talking about you've got sleep issues and sleep problems. Did they change in any way when your son was born? 
I mean, I've never had problems going to sleep. Going to sleep is something that's easy for me.、Um, but what I did have problems with is staying asleep or having good quality sleep. Oh, right. And especially after he was born, and and recently with with the stresses of work and life in general,、um, I found my quality was was definitely going down. And I think that's something that we do need to recognise and 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 do some things to fix that. And you know that doesn't necessarily mean medication. There are, I mean, I've got a list of things here which、um, I noted down that could actually help you. One of them actually is related to a previous podcast you did with Sad. Um, seasonal affective、uh, disorder、mm. um, lights. You can get those, right?、Mm. Um, and if you spend thirty minutes in front of one of those lights, in especially, you know, if you're living in the northern hemisphere,、um, you are really subjected to quite a lot of darkness. I mean, we're going to be getting less and less hours of light every day now until the twenty-first.、Mm. And、that's when it turns round. Yeah. But then it's only incrementally going more and more. I do like that time of year. That's my favourite time of year. When you get to that time of year, the twenty-first of December is my favourite time because then you know everything is regenerative, right?、So、you're not going. Well, you know, you know, summer's coming. <laughs> exactly. It's,、yeah. a, it's a long way off, but you know. <laughs> Yeah, especially when it's minus thirty-five centigrade outside right now, you're kind of thinking, "Hey, you know, this will be good." It's only going to get warmer. That's yeah, not necessarily the case, of course. Well, I mean, I'm I'm here in the UK, and of course, the thing in the UK is every every time the winter rolls around, we ask ourselves one question: we always say, "Is it going to be a wet or a dry winter?"、Um, because those are the only two we get. It's very rare that it snows. I mean, people, you know, I mean, in, in Canada where you are, it snows all the time. Obviously, I, I presume you've got snow already because it's. Fourth of December, we're recording this. You've got snow, right? Yeah, it's already what, yeah, we, knee deep. Not really, actually. It's only maybe even a foot. It's nothing really. What we have had a lot of is it's, it's been a dry winter. We've had a lot of cold. Yeah,、um, having minus twenty four centigrade,、um, sorry, zero Fahrenheit for American listeners, is really weird in、um, you know in November, and that's what we had in November. And、that's really unusual. So that suggests we're going to have a really dry winter,、mm. uh, much like yourself. Well, I have to admit, I prefer a dry one because dry just means cold, whereas wet just means cold and wet. And, and tying in a little bit with the seasonal affective disorder,、um, that does play heavily on the mind because you know you said that the twenty first of December is your favourite period. My favourite period is usually sort of mid February. And I say that is because when we get to—I don't want to say Valentine's because that's a bit cliche—but when we get to the middle of February, so let's let's say the twentieth of February, which isn't the middle; it's part way through. But、um, when we get round there, I know that I can tell then from whether we're going to have a cold April or whether it's going to start getting better.、Um, my son was born on the seventeenth of April, and we've genuinely had it snowing on his birthday, which is just mind blowing. But that just shows how prolonged that winter was, and that really does play into it a lot. Because if you know, you know, you're at the middle of end of February, and it doesn't seem to be getting any warmer. March. Do you remember when we were kids? March used to be the windy month. April used to be the the the,、um, the sort of the rainy month, kind of like April showers. May used to be when all the flowers came out, and it was kind of getting a bit warm. And then June, July, August was when we had the sun. Um, that's kind of all gone now,、um, and that's the thing because weather plays an awful big part in it as well. So, do you find just while I'm thinking, while I'm riffing on the idea of weather, do you find that, for example, when you're, when it's you know, 
kicking up a storm outside, do you find it as easy to sleep then or do you struggle to sleep a little bit or have you got any kind of nerves and anxiety about that? I think for the rest of the members of my family, it definitely does. For me, not at all. Um, what I look forward to and I keep on going out is when it starts getting lighter. I don't like too much dark. I couldn't care if it was cold or snowy. My wife and son do. They really care about the weather. What I care about is how much light we get. Right. Um, an interesting fact is you said February was you know, one of your favourite months because things are, should be turning around. Here where I live, February's going to be your worst. That's the month you get about a week of minus 40 Fahrenheit, centigrade, same thing. You know, and that's because we live in the extremes, okay? Mm. And there's going to be a spot in that month where we get it and then that's it over, right? Mm. March, you're not, everything is going to get better after March, after February. And when you're in March, it's just, you see less snow, things start to melt, April, almost all the snow is gone. You know, we always laugh here because it's funny because after Halloween, so the 1st of November, we just get snow. We didn't have snow before that. We had no cold weather before that. So sometimes, you know, kids are going out for trick-or-treating, which is a big thing in North America. They're going out with their parkers on, the big jackets. Mm. Or they're not at all. Mm. <laughs> you know, they're going out in their costumes. And mm. um, this year was we're going out in our costumes, but the day after it, that's when all the snow came. It was kind of crazy. Wow. Um, so I was talking about some coping mechanisms for myself. Um, things I do is... You know, in the evening time, um, to help with, you know, my own rhythm is to dim the lights in the house, you know. That's oh, okay. an important thing. So, you know, when the light starts to go down outside, or I try and make it so that the lights, and I've got this old program, the lights to slowly get dimmer in the house um, up until 10 o'clock where they're completely off. Right. You know, so when it gets dark, you want your lights on. Um, maybe at 100%, but over the course of the evening, they'll slowly get darker and darker and darker. Mm. And I find that actually does help with my sleep efforts, especially when we have all this darkness, right? Yeah. Um, and it's not a problem in the summer because, you know, it's light until nine and then it starts getting dark and you're like, okay, time mm. for bed. Yeah. But when it starts getting dark at five, mm, it really messes your mind up. Mm. That's interesting because obviously now that we've got this energy crisis over here in the UK, there's a bit of a worry about that. And I have to admit, that does play on my mind a little bit. And I do think, you know, I'm sitting here and I've got quite a few bits and pieces switched on. And I was thinking I need to look at how I can redress this issue in my uh, in my office here where I can, as I'm walking out, I can flick a switch and I know all of it's switched off when I don't need it. And, you know, that, that sort of level of concern. You know, a friend of mine... Um, He's got an interesting te uh, technique that he told me about, um, and he said it works for him, which is great, because he is quite a stickler for his uh, particular rule set. And what he said he does with regards to making sure he goes to bed on time, rather than be distracted by any kind of technologies or anything like that. Um, I was around his house, this was a couple of years ago now, I was around his house, and sat there and suddenly the, the alarm starts ringing on his phone. And I was like, oh, it's 10pm, what's that alarm for? And I glanced over and he just said, go to bed. He had an actual alarm set on his phone for 10pm that said, go to bed. So, anyway, fast forward to a couple of weeks ago, he and I went and did an open mic session at this local pub. It meant that we were able to have a chat and a bit of a catch-up, and I just said to him, I said, you know, I said, you've been on my mind recently quite a bit, because I'm finding myself going to bed later and later, and I, I keep suddenly remembering about the fact that you had an alarm set on your phone for 10pm to go to bed and he said no it's not set for 10pm anymore I was like, oh okay he said no it's set for 9.30 now 
I was like, 9.30? He said, yeah, he said, because that's my cue to then go upstairs, brush my teeth, get my pyjamas on, get myself ready for bed, so that I'm in bed at 10 o'clock, rather than being in bed at 10.30. So I just, I said, right, well, okay, I'm going to have to ask the, the automatic question that leads on from that, how long does it take you to fall asleep? Depends what I'm doing. I might be reading a book, I might be watching this, I'm watching that. I was like, ah, okay. So the difference is, you've just shifted your focus of attention from wherever you were in the house at the time when the alarm went to whatever you were doing is now happening in the bedroom. So it's kind of, but you're in bed, so you're telling yourself you're doing well because you're in bed and it's 10.30, whatever, or 10 o'clock at night. And so kind of logically you're in the right place, but maybe you're not doing the right actions and activities whilst you're in that room. But I thought it was interesting. I do the same thing. I have the uh, alarm in my on my phone or watch that says 10 o'clock, go to bed. And I think it's the same thing as well. It's about getting into bed, getting yourself all your ablutions done so that you're ready to go to sleep. And if you're not quite ready in your mind, like you still have some energy left, then you're in the right place where you can just spend some of it, you know, on your phone or your computer or whatever. And, but you know what? You're there now. Mm. And you can put it all away and it's not... Oh, I have to get up and I have to walk upstairs and, you know, I have to go and clean my teeth. I've got all these jobs to do. All the jobs are done. You're in bed and you're ready to go to bed. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think that's the intelligence around it. And I think that's that's how I do it anyway. Um, interesting switch uh, thing you said about your room having a switch. I have that on my room here. There's a light switch and below it is a power switch and the power would just kill everything in this room. Oh, okay, so how many daisy chained that- extension cables have you got? Uh, no, it actually is wired into the sockets on the wall. Um, but it's really interesting. So when I actually did this, it's it's almost symbolic, mm. right? You're going out of this room and you're turning it off. I have a similar um, uh, situation upstairs in the in my work office. Mm. So I keep one of my strategies. I keep my work out separate from everything else. Mm. So in my work office, I have just an extension cord plugged into the wall. And when I'm done at the end of a day or, or uh, in the evening or, you know, at the weekend, just heading up to Friday, I will just unplug it. I'll switch everything off and then I'll unplug it. I don't need to unplug it, but that's a symbolic thing, mm. right? Yeah. Telling me and my brain that, you know what, work is over now. And that computer or setup upstairs is, is currently physically unplugged. So tomorrow morning, I'll have to go in and plug it back in and that then starts off the week. Mm. No, I get that. That's quite clever because I've got a similar situation with mine in that um, I've got a work laptop and I've got my home PC and they're all connected to the same monitors, same keyboards and what have you, KVM switch, you name it, all set up. And um, so what I do at the end of work, um, well, there's a very symbolic, every morning, there's a symbolic plugging in of the um, the dock into the USB-C on the laptop. And at the end of the day, there's a very symbolic unplugging of the dock from the USB-C and what that does is that really and sometimes and um, the other difference that I do is that um, I, I, I don't like to do it whilst sat down even though I could wheel over I don't like the fact that I'm wheeling and leaning in the chair so I stand up and I move my chair out of the way and I walk over it's not a walk it's, it's a step and a lean but you know I move over to the laptop and I physically unplug it I hang the cable over the angle poise um, stand that I've got you know the microphone stand I hang it over that and then I sit back down in the chair and even though the chair's still warm for me having worked that day when I then reach around to switch on my home PC because of you know checking emails and so on I know that I finish work because the screens change the the feeling changes and also it's also quite symbolic when I reach over to the KVM switch and I switch that from 
number two to number three or whatever it is to switch the keyboard and mouse over to my private laptop and private computer and it's that's quite a symbolic thing for me as well and that that's something i do want to pick up on another podcast is now we're talking about you know symbolic gestures from working from home mm. which i actually call there is an actual i believe a working from home disorder Mm. Um, and that's something that you and I can explore in another one, because mm. <laughs> this one we are uh, focusing on sleep, right? So, oh, oh, but well, even, yeah. but that still relates to it, you know, because you're actually living it at work effectively. You know, can you really ever turn off? And that's, are you worrying about the morning when you're going to bed at night, and all them things are still going through your head because you're actually in the same place that those worries existed earlier on in the day. Uh, I don't know. I think my yeah. I think obviously, like for example, last week I was doing interviews uh, for, a, for to fill a post in the in the team, and that obviously generated anxiety because of the fact that I was uh, the, we, my my manager insisted on face to face meetings. Fine, no problem. But when you do a face to face meeting, what does it mean? It means you've got to get there. And what does that mean? It means you've got to get up in time to get in the car to drive along the road to get to that place in time. So that meant the night before I had pretty horrific sleep. Um, and that's just because of the fact that I've explained it before um, I'm kind of a slave to the clock and my anxiety just comes from this fear of being late I don't know how that's been drilled into me like that but it has um, so that's where that anxiety came from on that particular day and then there was also double anxiety because I knew both candidates I'd worked with both of them before and I knew I was going to have to disappoint one of them and that's where it gets really heady that that's a football match you don't want in your head and it's very tricky so that that played on my mind quite a lot and of course anything playing on your mind will help but will contribute towards poor sleep um you know waking up at two o'clock in the morning lying there thinking why on earth am i awake at two in the morning because here's the thing i wake up at two in the morning i'm lying there in the dark i can hear my wife breathing gently next to me there's no particular noise, you know, because my first thought when I wake up at that time of night is, oh, listen out, has someone broken in? That's my first thought. Somebody broken in. Why have I why have I been roused from my sleep? And then the second thought is, how do you turn off the bloody jukebox? Because there's always a song buzzing around inside my head. But it's it's insane that this these little anxieties and all these little things, because the point of sleep for human beings is that we're then supposed to, certainly for babies, we use that time to process what we've done that day and learn from it. And if I'm processing what I've done that day and learning from it, and then I'm waking up at 2.30 in the morning anxious about the fact that I'm going to be, I'm going to have to get up soon, I'm going to have to drive there. I mean, the anxiety spilled over into something as ridiculous as choosing what I was going to wear. Whereas before, when I was going to the office all the time, it didn't matter because it was like I always knew what I was going to wear because there were, those were the shirts, those were the trousers, those were the choices. And I would go, yeah, that shirt, that tie, those trousers, bosh, off I go to work. Whereas now it was like, um, does any of it still fit? I haven't worn this in two years. It was awful. And it was unnecessary anxiety. You know, but it's funny how that sort of worked out, that, hang, that kind of played out. There was that level of anxiety about something that shouldn't have worried me at all, but it did. It's odd. Yeah, nodding helps on a podcast. I have said this before. <laughs> I wonder what it's doing to the children. You know, the fact that their sleep has also been affected. You know, kids that are growing up in this society right now, how is it affecting them? Is it affecting them in a... I mean, you mentioned that it's there to for restoration of your mind and your body. And 
you know, are the kids or the young adolescents of the world, or, you know, or the next generation of workers are already on a back foot because they're not getting the right sleep because of these distractions? Yeah, but I think a lot of it comes down to the fact that sometimes you just have to learn. I've said before, my son's now old enough that we can't teach him anything, he now has to learn. And that's just the sad fact of it. And it's been that case since he's been around 11, maybe even younger. There comes a time where you can't teach them anymore. And uh, the other day, um, he came home from work or whatever, and he just said, oh, I'm really tired. It's been a long day. Uh, I'm going to go and get some sleep. I was like, yeah, no problem. And I went downstairs to get myself a coffee. And when I came back upstairs, I could see that his room was dark, but there was like a faint flicker of light. And I sort of knocked on his door and poked my head in. He was lying there on his bed. But his face was being lit up by his mobile because he was on TikTok and he was watching videos and doing all sorts of stuff. And I'm like, just put your phone down and go to sleep. He's like, yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. Is it? Fear of missing out. At some point, you realise, you learn. And, you know, I'm looking at the clock and I'm thinking, I'd be asleep by now if I were him because I'd, I'd be tired. Whereas he's looking at the clock and going, ah, just one more, just one more, just one more. But that's, I mean, kids these days, I mean, you're absolutely right to wonder about it, but I think they have grown up with it more than we have. So when you think about the changes in technology, they've grown up with it. Because when my son was born in 2004, all that stuff was already there. We had camera phones, we had smartphones, we had all this stuff, and it was all in our fingertips. It's like, do you remember when digital cameras used to be a thing and everyone was walking around with it? Click, click, clunk, clunk, bong, bong, there you go, done. And there's some of these SLR cameras that take amazing pictures, but they've all been superseded by the fact that we've got, you know, a 12 megapixel camera in our pocket. It's insane. Which is good enough. The phone camera is good enough for most pictures. And that's a shame because then you have to carry your phone everywhere. So I went on holiday recently and I made a point of taking my phone and putting it in the cupboard and not taking it anywhere. And it worked. But then I was realizing halfway through the vacation time that I didn't have any pictures taken yet. And I'm like, Oh yeah. Now pictures taken is another side of the argument because in 2010 I think it was my wife and I and my son we went on a family holiday to Tunisia and we bumped into a chap who um, told us he was already quite bronzed and we were like goodness me how long have you been here? We went in late October. Goodness me how long have you been here? He said oh um, I've been here since uh, middle of September. And we're like what? And he said yeah he said um, what I do is uh, I'm wealthy enough that I can come and live uh, I can come and live in hot countries over the winter. So he said, I spend six months out here in Tunisia and I go to the Middle East and stuff. And so I said, oh, you must have lots of photos and lots of camera, you know, camera pictures to go through. And he just said, no, taps the side of his forehead and just says, they're all up here. And I was like, that's okay. And he said, yeah, he said, genuinely, when do you look back at them? I thought, yeah, because I wouldn't. I wouldn't. But when I'm dead, my son will. Because that's when you look at photographs. I'm agreeing, but I'm kind of not agreeing. Um, I think you're right. I think the pictures you're taking today are a legacy. Mm. They're something for your kids to remember. Yeah. I mean, I do look through my pictures sometimes because I just want to remind myself of where we've been. And I think we haven't talked about this in an episode, or maybe we have, is that I struggle from uh, memory issues from... You know, sorry. Is, is, is that an ironic pause? I suffer from um, mem, I what's suffer it called? Mem, 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 uh, memory issues. That's it. <laughs> I forgot what I was just, saying. Just as an aside, I've always wondered. You know, when people always say, "Oh, I've got a memory like a sieve," and I go, "Yeah, but you remembered what your memory's like." <laughs> 
Yeah, well done. Obnoxious. But Sorry. I think for me, it's, it's to help me remember, what did we do four years ago? Where did we go on that holiday? Who did we see? Mm. So I do go back, but I go back for a reason. It's like going back in time. It's like, hey, we did go to Mexico. What did we do? Because I don't remember. Mm. Then I'll go into the pictures. But that's just a, that's just a me thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, 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 find, I do find it fascinating with the... Because uh, somebody... The way my brain works is if I hear something fascinating or I hear something interesting and it's in context with something else, when I'm doing that something else, I will remember the fascinating thing. So, for instance, it's not happened a lot recently, but because I've reminded myself about it now, it'll happen for the next few weeks. But my sister once said to me that men struggle to multitask. And she said it to me while I was putting on some shoes and trying to put on a coat. Now, what she saw was me struggling to put my shoes and coat on at the same time because men are inept and they can't do multitasking. I was like, well, to counter to that is to basically say, well, what we do is we focus on the job at hand and make sure it's done before we move on to the next job rather than doing two jobs badly. But um, every time I was trying to put my shoes on and my jacket on at the same time after that for a good six, eight months, which is, you can imagine, most days I'm putting shoes and jacket on at the same time. Um, I was automatically transported back to thinking about oh men can't multitask um but the thing is when i was what i was saying was that um, when i hear about something fascinating that's in context with something else the thing i heard that was fascinating was that in context with every single photograph that is taken that's a snapshot of you at that time so for instance um we took photographs of ourselves when you and i met earlier in the year in uh, in edinburgh we took pictures of us selfies and stuff but those versions of us haven't had this conversation because I didn't start this podcast until after that. So those versions of you and me have never recorded a podcast together. And that, that it sounds pathetic and it sounds really small and minimal, but when you look back and you think, you know, so when you look back at those photos, you can go, that version of me was a virgin, <laughs> for instance. I have got I have got better. Yeah, I'm, I want to pick up on the multitasking. Oh, Nobody yeah. can multitask. Like, no, it's not a man or a woman thing. Nobody can multitask. I love this um, saying, multitasking is the art of doing twice as much as you should, half as well as you could. Nice. And it's on a mouse mat with a picture of a fork that is a spoon. A it's neither a fork nor a spoon. Mm. It can't do either of those things very well. No. And I think we all, oh, it's a man thing. Man, can, Men can't multitask. Women can't either. We just generally are very poor at multitasking. Mm. We can't do double the job in half the time. It, it, it's, it's impossible. Mm. Who'd have thought that would be your trigger point? <laughs> <laughs> you just said it, and I've got a mouse mat that reminds me of that. I have just pulled a little notepad to one side, and I'm writing that down. But no, you're absolutely right. That is that is something that is genuinely leveled at all men. Um, we're accused of not being able to do it, but... And my argument back to that does sound like I'm just kind of going, oh, yeah, but it's not. I stand by the fact that if I've got two jobs I need to do, if I focus on one and then focus on the other, I'm doing both of them to the best of my ability. Whereas if I focus on both of them at the same time, I'm bound to screw it up. How many videos have I seen in the last few months? And you're not going to be able to answer this, and it is semi-rhetorical. But how many videos have I seen in the last few months of people holding their cameras, filming themselves, opening a bottle of beer with one hand? Okay, because they're going to go, oh yeah, watch me open this bottle of beer with one hand. And what inevitably happens is the bottle of beer is standing on a smooth table, you know, like a wooden table, and they've got just a little metal bottle opener. And of course, you, you need two hands because you need the whole opening action. You need like the breaking of the wishbone action. That's what you need to get the lid off a bottle of beer. 
But of course they're not doing that. They're hoping that they can push down enough onto the table so there's traction for the beer bottle and then they can get the lid off. But what happens on every single video? That's right, the beer bottle slips, falls on the floor and smashes. And I've seen so many of them that I've got to the point where when when one of them comes up and there's some bloke going, oh, check me out, I'm going to do that, so I'll spin on, next. Because I know what's going to happen. It's not going to be that he pops it and a firework comes out. He's not going to pop it and a snake climbs out. He's going to pop it, he's going to fall on the floor and smash. Because it's funny, I, trying to do too much. And and that happened to me today is I looked at the clock and I'm like, okay, I've got some time. So I started outside repairing my snowblower. Um, some of the electrics are gone in it. So I started doing some soldering and uh, repairing the electronics inside it. And then I looked at the clock and I'm like, oh, geez, this is when we were going to do our time, you know, yeah. for the for the recording of this. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, you know what? I'm just going to drop it all. Switched off the solder and iron and just came came down here, knowing that well, I'm not exactly going to be able to do this. Uh, finish the job, <laughs> finish fixing the snowblower, and talk to you on this. That I knew that wasn't going to work. No, of course not. Because either I would make a mess of this or rewire the snowblower so that the snow would blow back in my face or something, you know. No, or that's it would true. Actually create snow. And before we even started the recording, we we, we, we came on Discord to, to start the recording, but before we even did, when you joined, I was already sitting here and I was filling in some forms that I need to fill in because I've got some surgery coming up. So I'm reading these forms and filling them in and I wasn't even looking at the camera, I wasn't focused on the microphone, I was looking down at the desk because I needed to concentrate on what I was doing because I'm reading a consent form. Now, if I was to multitask by just, you know, looking at you and just filling in my name in the box and then half paying attention, I've not read the consent form and I need to read that. And I think that's the way the male brain works. It's kind of like, well, I'm focused on this job now. Let me do it to the best of my ability and then I'll focus on the next job. How many times as a man have you said, I'll do that in a minute? I'll get round to it. I, I, I was, it was resonating with me because... Um... I broke this. Uh, I'm going back to the snowblower story. Uh, the snowblower broke on the last snowfall in March, and it was a really heavy snowfall. It wasn't the snow itself was really compact, so I think I blew it trying to clear too much. Um, and then I thought, you know what? I'll repair it when it's warm. You know, the rest of it I can shovel by hand. So I put the snowblower on the shelf and and went about my day. Yeah. Uh, and then and then I realised it was broken when we got the snowfall. So today was the only day that we've had in the last couple of weeks that has been near zero. Um, and it's only minus four outside. So it's, it's okay for me to work outside where I'm not going to get frostbite. Um, but yeah, it goes back to that point that you just mentioned about I'll do it later. Mm. And, 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 and I had a lovely summer where I could have repaired that snowblower several times and I didn't. And now I'm doing it when... Yeah, so when the first no a, game, I had to do it by hand. But there's a necessity like, tied to it, though. That's the thing. There's a, there's a, I had a whole summer to do this, and I didn't. Yeah, but in the summer, you didn't need it. <laughs> no, but it could have been easier doing it. So is this going to be on your gravestone, is it? Died because you didn't fix a snowblower in June? It's just one of those things. Don't let it be the thing that buries you. Exactly. Don't let it be the thing. You, you fix stuff or you, you deal with stuff when it's at the point where it needs... It. I mean, okay, how were you in school when you had assignments you had to hand in or coursework you had last to hand minute. in? Last well, minute. Last minute. Always there you last go. minute. There you go. So there's your snowblower story in a nutshell. <laughs> You're going to keep on bringing the snowblower up every time I feel <laughs> Well, I'm, I'm a different mind. My mind works very much binary. It ones and zeros. Is it done yet? No. Is it done yet? No. That's how my brain works. So I've got a constant little itch at the back of my head that I know that thing needs to be done. 
so it wouldn't have happened for me. I would have known that the snowblower needed fixing would have fixed it when I had the chance because it would have bothered me. And six months and you have, to like, have an itch in the back of their brain, that's a long time. So yeah, no, I wouldn't yeah, have for me, for me, it's different. For me, it's, it's an inanimate object. I don't care. Now, if I had to do something for someone, then that would really bug me. Because I had to do something for myself, I was like, yeah, you know what? If I don't do it, it's my problem. I'm going to have to shovel. No, yeah, but if I promised someone else I would fix their snowblower, oh, I, I would be itching. I would be having it done that week. Well, why didn't you imagine it was your wife's snowblower and fix it for her? Yeah, that probably would work. You know what? This is a good counselling session. Thank you. For <laughs> You're <that>. welcome. <laughs> Never thought about that at all. But you don't want to be—you don't want to be suggesting that your wife is the reason you have to fix things, because then guess what happens? You'll be in the scenario that I discussed in one of the episodes for for definite, which is where the woman was um, walking around the supermarket bragging to her friend about how she's left him at home and he's absolutely steaming angry because she's had a go at him this morning because he's not done the decorating. That's a toxic relationship. Oh my god. That's so toxic. Yeah, exactly. It actually made me feel a little bit sick listening to that one to have that kind of animosity between two people. But the joy that she had, she was genuinely pleased that he was sitting yeah, at home I chewing. Have, I, don't ha- I hope they don't have kids. No, because the kids will, well, the kids will, they'll have a hardy upbringing, I think is the term. Um, listen, we've uh, we've managed to talk for just about an hour now. Um, I think we might have covered the topic of tiredness and sleep and blue light. Um I think we've covered it. We've, we've also danced around a few other subjects as well. Um, I can only thank you very much for coming on the podcast because uh, I t- try not to get them too long because I, I know that you listen to the episodes and I do thank you for that. But I also know you listen to them at two times speed. Um, so if I speak a little too quickly, it might be garbled. You might have to slow down and rewind. Um, but I just want to say thank you again for coming on. And um, oh, thank you for uh, inviting me. And I do enjoy these uh, these sessions. I think they're uh, I think they're a lot of fun. So thank you very much. 